Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co, and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family just by being here with me listening to this podcast you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true let's do this together Friday all welcome back to another episode of finding fertility we have one of our very own trying to conceive sisters on the podcast today it is Melissa from confetti and vodka let me say that again confetti and vodka been following Melissa for quite a while now and I just think her story her journey her inspiration of hope and love is just truly inspirational so I was so excited when she said yes to coming on the podcast because I know this was her first experience on being on a podcast. So I really hope this episode is truly inspiring and gives your Friday a little bit of a lift. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the Finding Fertility podcast. We are here today with a very special guest. It is Melissa from Confetti and Vodka. And we have been following each other. We're Instagram friends. <laughs> and we've been following each other for a while now. So welcome, Melissa, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to join you and just talk to this wonderful community that, you know, we all know is very instrumental to our very particular journeys. And we just wouldn't be able to do it, you know, without support of all these men and women. And yeah, I can definitely compare the before and after when I didn't have anybody to <laughs> to ask questions to and get answers on the spot. <laughs> yes. So... Um, I've been following your journey and I remember reaching out to you right after you moved from LA to, I think it was Rotterdam. Yes. And yes. I was watching your stories and I remember thinking like, why is she buying a plant? Isn't, you know, she's just over there doing a cycle. Like why should like, oh, maybe she's like, <laughs> you know, making her area more, you know, lively. And then I reached out <laughs> to you and I was like, Hey, I'm going to be in California. We should meet up. And you're like, uh, I live in Rotterdam now. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> So I wanted to bring you on because I think a lot of us struggle during infertility to make choices for ourselves in how we want to pursue getting to parenthood. And sometimes society and our family and our friends put their judgment on us. And it's really Mm -hmm. hard to say, no, I don't care if I'm crazy. I don't care if you think I'm crazy. This is what I want to do and see if it works out for us. And I feel like your journey is that. Like I, when I watch your journey, I'm like, not only are they living life at the moment, but they <laughs> are 
pursuing their dreams of parenthood to parenthood that most people would think is crazy. Let's go back to the beginning of your journey. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So quickly, we are, uh, so it, we started out as a male factor in fertility. My husband is a cancer survivor. He had testicular cancer when, uh, at the age of 21, we had just met. He was an exchange student from Brazil and uh, we were at Texas a and University in College Station. So that's how <laughs> that started. And of course, we met, fell in love. And that summer is... Um, when uh, we discovered that he had the cancer. And so that's how we ended up on this journey and this started back in 2001. So I always knew from the moment that I met him and I was with him that, you know, our path to, you know, parenthood was not going to be normal or conventional, but I was also very naive. I think we both were. And uh, we just thought that we dictated when this was gonna happen. And we just thought, well, there was science and, you know, God and he beat cancer. So the same thing's going to happen, you know, whenever we decide to have a baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it didn't quite work that way. So we're still on the journey. And when we decided to start trying, this was in 2000, 2014. Then you realize there were so many other, I guess, bumps in the road and so many doctor visits. and. Um, you know, we had a failed IUI and failed IVF and another failed IVF and I had to have surgeries. And so I would say that from the beginning, it was almost like there was just so much gratitude for him being alive and staying healthy and, you know, passing his 10 year mark on being cancer free and, and all that. That I guess it just feels like everything else is, is maybe not as much of a big deal, you know, I guess for him more than anything when his life was on the line. And um, so all our family and all our friends have always known our story, right? The struggle now, (laughs) which, oh boy. (laughs) But when we decided that it was just getting too expensive in the United States, there was a lot of things that had to go into play. You know, we had to put our loft up for rent. We had several, you know, chips up in the air. We were talking to Greece at the time. We were talking to Serbia at the time. Serbia had said no because we have to, our, our vials. So the cryo, we had to preserve uh, his sperm before chemotherapy. And that was more than 10 years ago. So each country has their, their rules, right? Up to like what they allow. Mm-hmm. So of course, that's when we discovered, you know, Serbia doesn't allow the import of, of this material. And then Greece uh, said, yes, we'll do it. But then it had been cryopreserved for over 10 years. So of course they denied it. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that was that. And then we decided to move to the Netherlands. And it was just, it, it was crazy that December, you know, November, December of 2018, because he was interviewing for for a new position, of course, it had to be something where he could work in Europe. We were trying to clear out our home so that we can rent it. And at the same time, you know, decide what country we were going to move to. Holidays, you know, we were still in the middle of holiday season. Yeah, there was there was a lot of anxiety. And I think back and, and it was it was a pretty tough period. But I guess you, you, you know, you take one step at a time. You're not always going to be perfect and you're going to make mistakes. And you just almost have to forgive yourself because, you know, you've never done it before. So it was a big decision. You know, you, you felt mm-hmm. like that the U.S. is 
it's got to be hands down one of the most expensive places to do <laughs> IVF. And anyone who is from America knows that our healthcare system is not managed properly. So mm-hmm. most procedures are very expensive and even insurance is very expensive and doesn't always cover everything. I did my treatment in the United Kingdom, which has a mm-hmm. universal health care, but also mm-hmm. has a postcode lottery. So at mm-hmm. the time, we lived in one of three areas in the UK that didn't offer IVF on the national health care system. There's a lot more places now. But it does change your decision-making process when um, a lot of money that you may or may not have is put on the table. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And I do see, especially in the UK, I saw a lot of people go overseas for a even cheaper option. Compared to America, it is less expensive, but it's still very expensive in the United Kingdom as well. So that is what brought you to the Netherlands. They let you carry your little men into the country. (laughs) (laughs) They did. And that was a process also that took several months and we did have to get, you know, permission from the Dutch government and just so much paperwork that needed to be done to import into Europe. And of course, we only imported a certain amount of vials because we didn't want to have something happen to it. So we yeah. still have some in Texas. <laughs> okay, yeah. And how, how did your friends and family take this news? From what I've seen, you have a very loving family. You come from, <laughs> I think, a, a, a fairly biggish family. What were their thoughts on this process that you guys were about to, you know, move halfway around the world to continue your adventure? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say from that perspective, we were very, very lucky. Danilo, he, um, he's from Brazil. So, you know, his, most of his family is already in Brazil. So he was already living abroad, right, in the United States for many years because he did grad school in New York and everything. And, you know, my family and my friends, because everybody just has known the story from the very beginning, from when we first met, you know, and I just remember him being, you know, after his operation when they had to, the second operation where they had to remove his lymph nodes because, you know, they had enlarged and, and so on and so forth. It, it was like the, the, the sicker he was, the more in love I was. And so everybody just knew that eventually this was what was going to happen. But from like, we don't have any close close friends that we know that have gone through IVF so it, it, it we didn't have anybody to to talk to about this but everybody was very supportive and just because they had been following you know our story in in, in the United States right and mm-hmm. and you know we just talked about all the aspects of it you know financial and you know emotional and you know it was just how much more am I, you know, going to continue to be on this journey for and, and is it going to be worth it? So we also had, you know, our friends, our family come visit at different times, you know, it was pretty, pretty busy. And in, in, in 2019, uh, and I was happy. So, and, and we were able to travel to Brazil as well and to the United States. And so it, it, it wasn't too bad because I feel that, you know, everybody was kind of doing their part. <laughs> Yeah. you know, to see each other. And, and there was really, you know, no questions about it. I mean, yeah, of course, some people thought it was a little crazy, like you're just going to pick up and go, right. But, you know, I guess it was just seconds before they realized that they'd probably be doing the same thing too, you know, if, if they were in our shoes. 
so yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. Um, I know I, I dealt with a little bit of just, uh, yeah, just like questioning, like why, uh, you know, cause I changed my diet quite extremely, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of normal society standards. And I think people definitely thought I went a little bit infertility mad of like, mm-hmm why would you do that? And it's kind of like, (laughs) like you just said, well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you try anything for Mm -hmm. dreams? Exactly. Exactly. And I I mean, that's not to say that it was, you know, we didn't get the question, but like, aren't you scared? And how is that going to happen? And, you know, things like that. But I don't know, I feel like few things really scare (laughs) my husband just, you know, like he once said, you know, once you you know, you've had cancer, then it's like, you feel like anything else is sort of something you can solve. Yes. So hundred percent. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and to be honest, we haven't really, I mean, we made one friend in, in, in the Netherlands, but other than that, we were just very busy, you know, through all the means also we've got technology, we've got, so we were able to communicate with with everyone, you know, just with our phones, it's, it almost feels like you're holding them, you know, you're taking them with you, little device. <laughs> yeah. FaceTime, you can do all those things. And so, so yeah, I mean, and there's so many, and I just feel like everybody in this community just understands how that works. Yeah, exactly. Do you feel that it's made your journey a little bit easier to be so open about everything? I definitely, I mean, I definitely think so just because one, my personality, it would, it, it, it just, it, it would be so difficult to, to keep this quiet only because to make up excuses for this long, I think we would have already lost a lot of uh, <laughs> friends and, and family, you know, if, if we weren't open, but also because when the husband was diagnosed with testicular cancer and it was just like Lance Armstrong. So his book helped him. And because I was so vocal about it, one of my best friends actually dated someone and she was able to spot, Hey, you know, this one testicle is bigger and harder than the other. You should get it checked out. And sure enough, it was testicular cancer and she saved his life. So, you know, from, from, from that perspective, I think that's why we've, we've been very open. I kind of feel the same way because we had a really you know it took us six years to see Mm -hmm. a positive pregnancy test and I feel the same way like we weren't like super open like sharing our story on social media I mean Instagram wasn't Mm -hmm. even invented when I started trying to conceive Mm -hmm. but we were you know really open with our friends and family that we were struggling Mm -hmm. and I just feel the same way as you like if I had to lie Mm -hmm. about it if I felt I had Mm -hmm. to keep it a secret it would have been so much harder emotionally and physically because mm-hmm. people want to know, you know, and even though it's mm-hmm. none of their business, mm-hmm. there's very good ways to like tell people like straight up. And most people mm-hmm. I found just shut down and they didn't want to talk about it anymore. So it was like, <laughs> if you just like, you know, tell them like we're doing IVF, they're just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, like ask you anymore. But it, you know, the the questions are like, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And like, yeah. you know, we were married for four or five years before we even tried mm-hmm. tried to start conceiving. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel the same way. And I know that not everyone wants to doesn't feel safe being open about it. But if yeah. if people are feeling that like heavy burden of a secret about mm-hmm. it, just exploring, you know, ways of being able to kind of like let people know and mm-hmm. then 
have that confidence that most people will just leave you alone once you <laughs> let them know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, it was one of those things too, when we went back to Brazil and we had, you know, we got the question from, you know, some of his family members and I don't blame them. We just, you know, I had never had the conversation with them. And so we were at the table yeah. and it's like, well, why hadn't you traveled to Brazil? Well, there was Zika <laughs> who were doing IVF. I had a chemical, you know, pregnancy. And then it was just like, you open up the water gates, you know, and then suddenly his cousins, like everybody started talking about a miscarriage and there was a little bit of tears and, but it was very real, yes. you know? And I don't know, we, I just, I just took the opportunity because was I going to do there? Sit and, and, and I don't know, shrug my shoulders why I hadn't been to Brazil, you know? And, and I understand, you know, some people cannot or, or don't have the support or, you know, have had awful things said to them. And, and of course you learn all this because of, of Instagram. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm forever grateful because if it wasn't for this community, I, I know exactly what I was like going through IVF without this community. And then when I opened the account and it's, I don't know, it's so beautiful. It's so real. The men and women are so knowledgeable. It's a whole other world. And, and, <laughs> and, and that in itself is, you know, the fact that, you know, we get so much support from strangers and you can tell them anything. I mean, yes. just anything. And so that's, I credit, you know, this community so, so much. A hundred percent. It's, what do they say? It's like the best club or the worst club yes. to be a part of or something. Yeah, yes. definitely. Or the so club tell us, that you never asked to be part of. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey in Rotterdam with, uh, you did do, you end up transferring an embryo, is that correct? No, no, just, just not the embryos, just the vials. Okay, just the bio. Um, but I did, yes. And so that took almost a year. And uh, then when there, it's universal health care, you actually cannot, you know, there's no private clinics in the Netherlands. And so they did the egg extraction. And, and you know, over here, I was awake with morphine. And I don't, I didn't have a very good reaction to that. And there was no embryos to be frozen. And it, it failed. And then when we had our appointment, you know, they just had their whole listing of reasons why they didn't think that we should move forward. You know, I've, uh, that the chances of me getting an infection, you know, during another egg extraction were higher than actually, you know, getting pregnant and uh, that they, they would just no longer treat us, but, you know, they would write us a recommendation letter or two anywhere else, right? Uh, or, okay. you know, they, they did mention UZ Ghent, which is in Belgium. And I just didn't understand, right? Because I had never gotten any, you know, doctor say there was anything wrong with me to actually stop the, the procedure. And I said, well, I think it's only, obviously, we've come this far. I need to get a couple more opinions, right? So we had Belgium on the list, uh, UC Ghent, and um, Greece again. Uh, which they told us no again. And I still have, if, if, if this were to fail and because we only have one more vial left in Europe, then I'm considering going to Brazil as well. And, you know, we have a nice support system there. So, you know, we always have to think ahead, of course, stay positive, right? But uh, at this point, we know anything can happen. Yes. And so are you in another location from the Netherlands to try a, another round of IVF? 
Uh, well, we're going to do it in, in UC Ghent, and I'll actually next week. This actually, this next week, I'm going to start the meds. Uh, they're going to do two egg extractions to try to make the most of the one last vial that we have. So there's going to be an egg extraction, extraction, I'm sorry, in September. And we were thinking of resting one month just to allow the ovaries to heal. Yes. And then do the next one in November and do the fresh transfer at that point once. And hopefully we have a couple embryos left to to freeze. But, you know, at the end, we've only gotten about, you know, maybe two to three embryos. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens this time. Yeah. And what are you <laughs> doing uh, physically and mentally to get yourself, you know, prepared for this next round? It's kind of, sim- you know, some of the same things I've been doing since we moved to Europe. So it's been a lot of internal, you know, internal work. There's different uh, influencers and entrepreneurs that I follow and love you know gary vaynerchuk is is a top one i love him with all my heart we've got like jay shetty and marissa pierce and lisa nichols and so a lot of this and then i also follow some life coaches from from spain i don't know if anybody would know borja vilaseca and uh gloria royave who's from uh from colombia you know i'll go out on walks i was training for a possible marathon in 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 Paris 2021 who knows if that'll happen listening to podcasts and you know long walks and just you know when it wasn't before COVID I would love I used to love going to museums Um, and then the husband also had to travel a lot for work so whenever I could join then you know during those days I would um, you know I would pick a museum in whatever city and and just get inspired by that. And then, of course, just, you know, keeping the close relationships close. <laughs> yes. And and just hoping that, you know, I, I just, like, are we going to have a baby or not? You know, because, of course, I have my, you know, my other life goals. And, and I, you know, I'm working on uh, my dream of, of uh, my lingerie line. And I'm doing little small steps in the background and and sometimes I get very frustrated because you know that's not moving as fast as I would like it to I sometimes feel like I'm um you know my whole life revolves around around this and of course if we're going to be exploring all this you know Europe and just the different things that we have to do and trying to figure out who's going to help you know help us make us this baby I have to put you know, my dreams, my career on hold. And and I miss that. I was in the fashion industry. And so that's one part that sometimes when I'm feeling a little down or, you know, although I understand exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing, I I miss, you know, just looking at laces and, and feeling the fabrics and colors and just all those things that, you know, when it's your passion, it just sort of lights you up. But, you know, we understand that right now this is, IVF is what's most important and that'll be waiting for me <laughs> yeah. when, when we, when we, when we do this, when we finish this. I think everyone who has dealt with infertility a hundred percent feels the way you're feeling right now. You mm-hmm. do put your life on hold. I mean, I had many, many years where I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Cause I'm going to be pregnant. No, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And yes. another year passed by. I was like, I ain't pregnant. Yes. Okay. And yes. I just think how much could I have actually accomplished, you know, like yes. during those years? And it is really exactly 
but you don't know, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard to find that balance because you're in a very unique position, you know, in the Mm -hmm. sense of like, you know, you need IVF, that support is there. And it's amazing that it's there for people who need it. I know Instagram is like a a snapshot into like what's really going on. But I I love Mm -hmm. watching your your story, because I feel like you're still putting the joy back into your life. And (laughs) one of the things I have my clients do is get their Mm -hmm. joy back. So like my advice to you is like, wherever you are in the world, go to those fabric stores and Mm -hmm. put that lace in your hand and put those fabrics (laughs) in your hand. You know, like our dreams do get put on hold. I I do believe they have to. I don't believe when you have to do IVF, I feel like quitting work. And if, if you're, at all possible to do those things to give your body the ultimate, you know, time to rest and recover because these are major mm-hmm. procedures. You know, exactly. IVF is kind of put out there like it's easy. And exactly. Most women I know during my two IVFs, I worked 40 hour work weeks during my mm-hmm. IVFs. I never took time off, which was mm-hmm. crazy. And mm-hmm irresponsible for me, you know, <laughs> but yeah. that's what I, no one, no, no one tells you, you know, no one tells you how impactful IVF is. That's definitely spot on. Yes. Because I, I, there was a period of time where I was working and, but there's only so much you could, I don't even find it fair to, I don't know, I feel to an employer, to myself, to my standards, you know, to how many times am I going to be going to the doctor? You know, how many times am I going to be feeling sick? And Mm -hmm. it's just, and it's one of those things where after a certain while, when you've been on the journey for so long, people have to know, you know, why you're going to the doctor so often, you Mm -hmm. know, even going to the dentist, you know, Oh, can we do these these x-rays? Is there a possibility you could be pregnant? Um, well, I could because they just tra- well, I am because they just transferred. But you know, so then little by little, your whole community needs to find out, right? Yeah. And anyway, just um, just one of those things that I I would feel anxious about at the beginning. Yeah. No, definitely. But yeah, that's what I would say to you is you know just put that your your dreams as much as you can even maybe if you're not if you don't feel like you're working towards them like building mm-hmm. a business putting in the hours mm-hmm. you still find that joy of going to a lingerie mm-hmm. shop and being inspired and <laughs> things like that and because that's so powerful right like i feel yeah, like right yes your joys heal you you know like we, yes, it's true. we have this very disconnect of our emotions don't affect our our physical being mm-hmm. which they do mm-hmm. 100% they absolutely. do absolutely absolutely yeah i i truly am inspired by your journey i think it's such an amazing one all of our fingers and our toes are crossed i know you're very open with sharing your journey so i'm i will be waiting on fainted breath or whatever they say <laughs> And just send you all those positive vibes. And thank you so much for coming on and being so open and honest and sharing your journey with our listeners today. Can you let our listeners know where they can follow you on Instagram? Sure. So it's uh, Confetti and Vodka. And I just figured I'd choose that name because you almost need those two in order to get through infertility. (laughs) 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 When when you're not on meds or on your, you know to equate but thank you and I I love your you know your Instagram as well and everything that you 
that's your tea, you know, in terms of all the health and the benefits. And it's been amazing to follow you as well. I know now it's been a couple of years and I love seeing your face on there. And, you know, you definitely make a difference for me and I know for many others. So I appreciate it so, so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I feel like if I can help other people's journeys not be so long, painful, heartbreaking and expensive (laughs) as mine was, then I can leave this earth a better place. That is definitely my mission. And on top of that, to have you're doing that. (laughs) Thank you. All right, lady. Well, I know it's late there. So I'm going to let you go to bed. And thank you once again for being on. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.